Before this episode of the Final Word Podcast, another quick update from our friends at Brick Lane Brewing. We are grateful for Brick Lane's support through the weekly episode, Storytime. Did you hear Daniel Norcross's wild 904 triumph? Are you kidding me? Start with Storytime 59 and then follow it up with Storytime 60. Totally worth it. And also, the daily episodes. Adam and Jeff have been super busy. You can find all of those, the daily episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can watch them on the Final Word Cricket Podcast YouTube channel. There are currently 23,000 subscribers. We'd love to get that to 25,000. So if you are not a subscriber to the Final Word Cricket Podcast YouTube channel, please stop by, check it out, and if you like it, subscribe, and then you'll never miss a video. In cricket, there are great partnerships. Podcasting is no different. It's the partnership between the show, Adam and Jeff, the sponsor, Brick Lane Brewing, and you, the listener. I'd use your name, but I don't know who you are, but thank you. In addition to subscribing to the YouTube channel, please check out Brick Lane Brewing on Instagram and Facebook. Say hello and tell them the final word sent you. You can order all your Brick Lane favorites at bricklanebrewing.com. It's a super easy way to get your hands on all of the various brews. Brick Lane Brewing, based and brewed in Melbourne, Australia. Great city, great beer. Thank you, Brick Lane Brewing, for being part of the final word. And as always, thank you for listening. That's enough from me. Now, Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, and the final word. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, Ashes Daily. It's not over because there's this Ashes, so we're at the Women's Ashes Test in Canberra. Jeff Lemon with you. Adam Collins is asleep with COVID, but we have Isabel Westbury who has joined us on the show uh, because she didn't have to stay up all night to watch it because she was here. So welcome, first of all. Yes, from mashes to washes, dust to dust, something like that, right? <laughs> uh, so the first thing we have to do on the show today is sum up the entire day's play for those who didn't see it in the space of <laughs> 30 seconds or less. This is my challenge to you. Go. It's an impossible task. Well, England, they opted to bowl on a green top or so they thought they had Australia. Two wickets down, four runs on the board and it all looked pretty rosy. But then, of course, Meg Lanning came to the fore alongside Rachel Haynes. Meg Lanning's never got a century in this format. They put on 169 runs together, a whole wicketless session throughout the second session. Oh, by the way, at least Perry's already out. Doesn't happen that often in Test cricket, but she was gone in the teens. And then when finally these two departed, stayed left deep into the evening session, along came Talia McGrath and Ashley Gardner, which is bish bash boff. 50 off 88, 50 off 74. And things looked pretty ordinary for England. And they ended the day, at least with a wicket on the final ball, but 327 runs against, seven wickets down. And I'd say Australia's day. Lovely. I reckon that was 34, maybe. That's very Ooh, good. I probably missed good. about, you know, at half the day's play. But that's hey. fine. But that's what the rest of the 15 minutes are for. Um, so people have a context. They have an idea. That start of the day point was fascinating mm. when with Heather Knight's winning the toasts, um, uh, Heather Knight saying we'll bowl first and the rationale, which I think I understand, the rationale was sure we could come out and bat for ages and, and make big runs but even if that worked we'd then have to enforce a follow on and as they found against India that's not very easy the other way around is the best life that'll be in the pitch will be on the first day it'll be a good batting track all the way through so why not try to make the most of the conditions on the first morning where there might be a bit of juice a bit of bounce rather than letting Australia bat on day two and three and yes it'll probably rain on day three but we can't really factor that in like rather than giving them the easiest batting 
driving conditions, let's let's make the most of it. And it kind of sort of almost worked. Yeah, I, I kind of got it. The only thing is, is that, I mean, on, on the premise that you need 20 wickets to win a test match, and that makes a lot of sense. But England, with that weather, with just four days of test cricket, they needed to really own the tempo and the only way you can do that really is by batting right and we've seen already the the only test ever to be played here I think Australia's men scored 530 odd runs against Sri Lanka it's a good batting deck (laughs) so I was I was surprised but then of course two wickets down four ones on the board and you go ah genius night genius genius yes so it was it was Brunton Shrubsole first up and the ball was hooping for the first probably eight overs it it simmered down a bit after that but there was still a bit of movement when they pitched it up but Catherine Brunt gets Elisa Healy playing a big expansive drive that she nicks after having seen about four others swing past the edge she still decided to have a go Healy styles and, and nicked off for a duck Beth Mooney comes in at number three with her jaw wired shut having been broken <laughs> you know 10 days ago or whatever it was and didn't have to be out there on the painkillers very long because she only made three and just sort of defensive prodding and that got edged off and as you said two wickets down four on the board but it's the Elise Perry dismissal where you go maybe they're in this she plays a pull shot against Siva, big top edge, Amy Jones sprinting around from behind the stumps all the way to a sort of backward square leg, tumbling catch. Perry's out for 18. She'd made 494 runs for once out yes. since the double hundred against England in 2017. That's in it. So, so that was her average, yeah. high 400s essentially <laughs> over the last five years in test cricket. This woman does not get out to the red ball. That is how dramatic it was. It really was. It was sort of scenes, as they say. Yeah. And it was it was a good short ball. It was sort of up in the armpit. It was uncomfortable. Barat Sundarason told me that she'd been practising the pull shot only for 45 minutes in the nets yesterday, Perry. She was really wanting to take on that short ball. And the first one she did, off she went. And actually, it was something that what England's women did here, it's something that England's men couldn't do, is that they deployed the short ball only once they'd been probing it outside full back of a length and, and trying to get the drive. And then now and again, and Siver, she took three wickets in the end. I and mean, we'll talk a lot about Brunt as well, but she took really incisive wickets. So she got both Perry out, she got Lanny out, and then right at the end, she got Talia McGrath out mm. as well. And that the, the ball to dismiss Perry, it was a really good bumper. And that's kind of what you need against Perry. Yeah. Um, so it just it made her uncomfortable enough. It cramped her for room enough. And the top edge, and away she went. And so, look, Lanning's batting with Haynes. We hadn't, haven't mentioned Haynes yet, but she opened and was looking really good. She was attacking anything wide. She was taking on the bowling quite a bit, but also playing well defensively. Lanning's in there sort of looking okay. And then the last over before lunch, it's been all seam bowling up oh. until that point. They bring on Sophie Eccleston, left arm spinner, who carries so much responsibility in this team they rely on her so much obviously left armour she makes the ball turn away from the right hander which she duly does outside edge straight to Heather Knight at slip who drops it and I mean we, we we interviewed Heather Knight on the show just a couple of days ago and you know she was so positive about wanting to get into this test match I really felt for her actually yeah. the chance came her way just to her left but pretty regulation as a slip catch and I, she just wasn't expecting it I don't think and snatched at it a bit palmed it away it would have been four for 78 at that point and to be honest a lot in that first session kind of demonstrated what you would come to expect in women's test cricket is that they don't play that often and when they do play like right now they've only just come off the back of t20 cricket so the two dismissals healy and mooney in particular were balls they didn't have to play at and just probing forwards take the outside edge then we saw 
missed opportunities in the slip cordon as well. And then that crucial just before lunch over where you think, right, get the spinners in the game. And again, another one goes down in the slip. So it is difficult because, you know, these women do not play test cricket all that often. And that, that concentration, it, it is going to go. And, and hopefully in the future, we won't see that. But, mm. you know, I can't really, you want to have a go at them. So, you know, we all know nobody wants to drop catches, but this is kind of what happens when you don't play that much of this format. Well, I think it's less about criticism than about just recognising what a huge moment that was because if it was 78 for four yeah. and if you've then got a fresh player coming in after lunch, pressure's on at that point. You know, they're Australia bat deep. So I think Australia four down is not the same as other teams four down. You know that they bat all the way down to nine, ten. I mean, Jess Jonathan at nine. I was going to say, put it this way, we haven't 100. seen Jonathan yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She'll be, she'll be starting first thing on day two. Alana King can bat pretty well as, yeah. uh, as well. So there's probably, you know, Darcy Brown's probably the only non-batting player in the 11, if you will. So yeah, four down for Australia is, is one down for other teams in, in terms of what it means. But still, if it was Lanning, Perry, Healy, Mooney all back in before lunch and it's 78 for four, that's England session. 78 for three, you sort of go, well, honour's pretty even given the depth to come and then that's pretty much how it transpired. Yeah, and look what happened in that second session, especially 120 runs against them that formed a partnership in the end between Lanning and um, Haynes of 169. So it didn't get a single wicket in the afternoon session. It's hot out here, a day in the dirt. And and really, in a way, you could argue that England came back really well in that final session mm. to, to get those four wickets and to find Australia down seven wickets because I think at tea time, things looked pretty ordinary for yes. the visitors. There was, so there was the drop off landing, but after lunch, there's the drop off Haynes and the non-catch off Haynes and these both came in in quick succession. Haynes plays a pull shot across the line that skies up to mid on and Anya Shrubsole was pretty ordinary in the field today and that catch, she ran a sort of circle around it instead of going to the ball and it just landed safely between mid on and mid wicket. I think a a more confident player or a better mover would have made it to try to take that catch. That didn't happen. Haynes is on 42 and then on 44 big slash, big edge into the cordon, Siver diving away to her left. But it wasn't a full stretch, difficult dive. It was more a lean across, comfortable height, both hands to it and shelled it and that was off brunt. So again, the opportunity was there. Haynes is on 40. She goes on to, to make uh, 86. Uh, Lanning goes on to make 93. And both of them have had those let-offs. Yeah, and to be honest, the biggest surprise of the day really was when both of them fell. Um, in fact, when the score was the, the same, I think first Lanning went when she was on 93, chasing agonisingly her first century in Test cricket, which it always gets me because mm. so often we go, oh, Lanning's Test record doesn't actually reflect how good a batter she is. But then you go, well, actually, she's only played six Test innings or something. Yeah, this is her sixth Test match. So, so I she, mean, before this, she'd played five Tests about yeah. ten times. What do you expect? Mm. I, I think it's, the problem is up against someone like Perry, who's just got a ridiculous test record, which doesn't really reflect at all the fact that she hardly ever plays the format. Yeah. Is actually, you know, what more can you expect of Lanning? Yeah. So she'd made 150 in test cricket. She'd yeah. made 57 and that was her best score. But this is the player who is God mode in 50 over yeah. cricket, who is who is without doubt the single greatest specialist bat in white ball history. And she just hasn't, had as many opportunities you can you know like you said she's had about as many as Perry but you can 
have it work for you or not. Yeah. It can come off yeah. or it doesn't. That middle session, though, that it, that like you say, that felt like when England were losing it. Eccleston particularly, I noticed she she bowled short so often, and we don't see this from her. I mean, she's only twenty two, but she's they rely on her so much. She's almost she, she's getting close to having played a hundred matches for England already yeah. at twenty two. She's played eighty six games, I reckon, across formats. And you could tell they were relying on her to shoulder a fair bit of the work, but she's bowling on a day one pitch and she kept dragging it down. Not not every ball, but at least once an over or once every two overs. And Lanning was just cut shot, cut shot, cut shot and kept putting her away to the fence every time. Yeah, and, and even despite a pitch that's not conducive to spin, getting hit quite easily, she, she still bowled more overs than anybody else, which, I mean, it was quite surprising to be honest. I mean, the only, the only thing that England can take away from that or that's in their favour is that Australia have quite a lot of spinners in their lineup as well and considering how ineffective England's were hopefully they'll be the same for Australia yeah what did you make of Charlie Dean bowling off spinner on debut I liked her flight she got a bit of turn um, she didn't look especially dangerous to me but what did you make of it as someone who's who's sent down a number of tweakers in your time yeah I saw, I saw a lot of her against New Zealand in the one day series um, which was England's last international series before they came out here and she was really impressive there and I think she's she's definitely a really good white ball spinner I just wonder whether there's a, a lot being asked of her here Essentially, the thing was England needed another bowler, um, so they opted for the spinner because they've also thought they know that in the last test match England played, they put way too much onto Eccleston's shoulders. I think she bowled 64 overs across that test match when, you know, this is a woman that bowls in test cricket every other year or so at the age of 22. And usually Um, bowls four overs in a T20 game. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I didn't think uh, Dean bowled badly. I also could see they put her on um, to to bowl against the left-hander in Rachel Haynes. But Haynes, you know, she's an accomplished, very calm, relaxed figure. She knew exactly how to play her. And yeah, Dean didn't bowl badly, but there was a lot being asked of her against some very, very good Australian batters on a pitch that didn't really help. So Haynes did the job again. She waited for the short ball as well and cut a lot. She came down the track a few times and sort of hit over the top and and they get into that last session. And then, as you say, there's this within the space of four balls, Lanning chasing the wide one that she edges and Heather Knight took a really good slip catch this time. She was at a wider slip, maybe a sort of second, two and a half and had to dive across and clung onto it. There's definitely some sort of cruel narrative around, I'm going to give you a life when you're sort of, when you're early on, but just as you're approaching your century, I'm going to cut it short (laughs) and actually hold onto it. We're going to do more psychological damage by letting her nearly make 100 than by getting her out for 14. We're playing the long game here. This is all about the test match in 2023. Of course. Um, When Lanning is still chasing her elusive century in Test Cricket. We all know that every Ashes is just preparation for the next Ashes. That's that's the way that Ashes work. And then Haynes got the ball of the day from Catherine Brunt. It was like someone had buried a bottle top under the, the matting or something. It just took off from a length, snorted up at her grill and she just sort of got a glove to it through to the keeper and had no way of playing that ball. Oh, absolutely. And this is what we see from Brunt time and again and we've seen over the last 15, I don't know how long she's been playing, 20, 30 years for England is that just at the moment when you kind of think objectively things are pretty much run away from England. Yeah. She comes back with something and this ball again, it 
you know, it, the ball at that point was what sixty overs old. It shouldn't be. Do, it shouldn't be doing anything special, but it just zips up off the turf. It was a brilliant, nice tight line as well. And Haynes, as you say, she was in. She was seeing the ball nicely, and then just a lovely catch through to the keeper. So a moment of magic that so often we've seen from Brunt. And then of course there, there comes the, the big fist pumping and the emotion. She gets the team <laughs> riled up. We saw a few. I, I mean, there was some. There was one over. Everything happened. Two reviews. A shot at the stumps, and the batter was already in their crease. And then a wicket as well to get at Gardner as well. In between times, Gardner clatters a four away with a square cut, the ball in between. But suddenly they go from, so a T they're 199 for three, and then in a few minutes after T they're uh, 212 for five. And then in come McGrath and Gardner, two fresh players at the crease. McGrath bangs a straight drive down the ground for four. Gardner sweeps one, then plays a pickup shot for six, then nails a straight drive. And then suddenly they're playing cover drives and square drives and they're racing along. Honestly, it's a jolly good thing that um, Siver got McGrath out in the end because I don't think I've watched a cricket match where McGrath's been dismissed. <laughs> it doesn't happen as far as I know in my world. She's just, I mean, she's yet to be dismissed in T20 cricket. She has the most thumping cover drive. She's a tall woman, so her reach, it means that when you're bowling just a good length or a back of a length ball and you think, oh, rising delivery, hard to get on top, bang, it's already through the corner, <laughs> through cover point and, and reached the boundary edge. She is quite something to watch. And that meant mentality as well to have seen your two very set batters senior batters go when the scores are the same place for McGrath and Garner has come in yes you can argue that they they knew the new ball was coming so they were going to have a, a good go at it but that's that takes some nerve actually and um, it was well from the neutral perspective it was lovely to watch <laughs> um, I think Talia McGrath's the, the hardest hitter going around at the moment, maybe since Dotton was, was doing her thing. Because Gardner hits sixes, but she sort of times them, she launches them. McGrath's the hardest hitter along the ground, I think. Like when she plays a pull shot or a cover drive, it smacks it away. Well, watching McGrath, I mean, it's not the first time we saw her against India, but it's, you know, this year has been the first time I've really watched McGrath. And my initial impression reminded me of my initial impressions of uh, Natsuva mm. and the way in which she crunches it through cover point. And in a way, some of the performances you've seen from McGrath are the kind of ones that we want to see more of from, from Siva. So Gardner, was, she got to her 50 off of 64 balls, I think, was racing along. Yeah, and yeah. then she was 74 oh, yeah. by the time she was yeah. out, 74 balls. So 56 she made. McGrath nicks off from the very last ball of the day um, against Siva, as you mentioned. She was out for 52. You know, they're seven down, but they've already got 327 on the board. It's a massive score. And just to, just to add quickly on, on Gardner, I mean, it's, it's quite, it's just such an interesting story because she had a pretty awful WBBL in the end. I think she had a run of four successive ducks. Yes. She wasn't sure she was going to get back in the Australian side, but she got a 50 in her last test outing against India. And, we, you know, we, we used to label Kate Cross as a Red Bull specialist. I mean, Gar- Ashley Gardner, the test cricket specialist, <laughs> batting 50 off 60 balls at number seven. Incredible, really. Yeah. And she'll she'll come into play with her off spin. So it'll be Annabelle Sutherland and Jess Jonathan to resume in the morning. Hall of Fame nominations, the most final word moment of the day. What stood out to you? Oh, I think it's got to be when Catherine Brunt picked up the ball and followed through. It was a great pickup. And then for no reason whatsoever, other than just, I don't know, the theatre of the situation, shies the ball at the stumps, at which Ashley Gardner is just standing there inside her crease, nothing doing. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of like, oh, it's just a moody brunt. 
And then the umpires go up to review it for an appeal for obstructing the field. And she, oh, Gardner took a step backwards because she had the ball <laughs> being thrown at her, but she was standing right in front of the stumps. And then to cap it off, actually, which was actually quite fun, was that there was obviously a few boos around from the um, Australian crowd. As you might, I think I would have joined in with them as well because I didn't know what on earth Brunt was doing. But then Brunt <laughs> just starts sort of gesticulating, going, yeah, bring it on. And it's, you know, it's all in good faith in a, in a way. But it was it was utterly bizarre. I, I enjoyed Siva dropping a catch off Brunt's bowling. Of course, they're, they're off-field partners. Um, but I, So Brunt got very stroppy when Sophia Dunkley, according to Brunt, led a ball through <laughs> at, at back point for four. It was a, a wide long hop that got smashed and it was clearly Brunt's fault. So she told off the fielder. About two overs later, her partner drops one at slip and she didn't say anything. It wasn't no no hard words at all. Just turned around and walked back. A different dynamic, Jeff, and we'll yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> what else? A Hall of Fame, maybe, maybe Amy Jones taking five catches. She's rarely had a great time playing against Australia, but it felt like that might be something that could bring her into the game, make her feel better when she goes out there with the bat and she might be able to contribute. Amy Jones taking five catches and no one really noticing as well. Mm -hmm. She does it so easily. She's such a wonderful mover behind the stumps. And you almost argue that one of the criticisms against her is you want her to be a bit more visible and to say a few more things and to get in the game. But it also shows just what a brilliant keeper she she is. She wants to be in the background. That's why she wears the the pads on the inside of the trousers so that no one even knows she's a wicket keeper. Well, you say that, but I think Sarah Taylor did that. I'm pretty sure she wanted everyone to know that she was a wicket keeper. (laughs) You you couldn't (laughs) not know. All right, we will be back on day two for the final word, Ashes Daily uh, from Canberra. The lone test match at Marnock Roval, uh, Isabel Westbury and me, Jeff Lemon, will see them. So you know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Thanks for listening to the Final Word Cricket Podcast. All of Adam and Jeff's previous episodes are available at finalwordcricket.com, including Storytime 20. That's 40 story times ago. 40. Almost a year's worth of nerd pledge. Why Storytime 20? Because it features comedian Will Anderson. It's a great chat. I think you're going to love it. Finalwordcricket.com for all things Final Word. And thanks once again to our friends at Brick Lane Brewing. Shop online at bricklanebrewing.com. Thanks for listening. More from Adam and Jeff real soon.